uh, hearing that song. You did well. You did well. Christmas is one of those seasons in life where we uh, oftentimes listen to music that uh, brings back memories of childhood, right? And we can often associate, you know, a place or a time with the song that comes into our head. It's amazing how God has wired us, how music takes us and reminds us of different things and takes us back there. Yesterday, we spent the evening at uh, Houghton University for a PRISM concert, P-R-I-S-M, not PRISM. I've been to those too, they're a little bit different. But uh, a PRISM concert, and you know, it was just, it was just good to be present and to experience a worship service where, where the music took me to places in time that I could recall where I was. And they were familiar songs. You know, we already sang one, uh, Angels We Have Heard on High, or maybe when we close out the service today with Joy to the World, it'll take you back to a place. Today marks the beginning of the church calendar, uh, not Bemis Point Methodist Church alone, but the church calendar. Uh, and we, we mark it with kind of the season of Advent. Advent simply is a time of anticipation. I don't know uh, if you're familiar, and this is where kind of the, I guess I get a little nerdy maybe, but church history is, is fascinating for me and it's, it's an important part of who we are. So often we want this experiential moment where we just get to, you know, feel God's presence right now and, and it's great and it's wonderful, but what about the other 364 days of the year where maybe you don't feel that? That's where the church for a long time now, hundreds of years, has been teaching about a rhythm of life, of entering into this time of anticipation of what is to come. You know, as, uh, as Christians in the 21st century, we have a lot of opportunities to give our attention to certain things, don't we? And uh, I just want to say, I'm so grateful that you're here this morning. I know that for so many people, and, and even so many Christians, if you're worshiping online with us, praise God that you're worshiping with us this morning. For so many, it's not possible to come in person, but, but for others too, we feel drawn in so many different directions. And you made an active choice this morning to come and worship the Lord together. And, and you're fulfilling some of what the scriptures talked about when, when the Apostle Paul said, do not neglect the gathering together. Don't neglect this day when we come together and we celebrate what God is doing because it equips us for what is to come. I'm Pastor Joe. It's good to be here with you this Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, I want to just open our message time with a word of prayer and then I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles. Would you pray for me this morning? Holy and gracious God, thank you for the time that we have right now. Lord, I ask that you would anoint me with the power of your Holy Spirit again, that I might be equipped to preach the gospel, the good news, that I would not be ashamed of the gospel, that I would be even more sure of its saving grace. And Lord, I pray for your church that is gathered here and afar right now, that their hearts would be prepared to receive that good news. Lord, that we might find in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of chaos, hope, which will not disappoint us. So we're ready, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I've been known to fly by the seat of my pants a little bit, which usually makes my wife a little bit nervous. Um, It makes my mom really nervous. I've had some doozies that I've said publicly uh, by flying by the seat of my pants. So I'm learning to write some things out a little bit more, uh, and time has helped to to season a little bit that. But, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I was sharing very passionately about the movie Braveheart, did anybody catch my slip-up? Yeah. How many of you know Mel McGinnis? <laughs> Pastor Mel, Pastor in Cayentone, he definitely was not in the movie Braveheart. That was Mel Gibson, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, said that publicly uh, on, online. So people actually were texting me that weren't here like, we didn't know Mel McGinnis was, was an actor. <laughs> this is worth a bonus point. Uh, can you tell me, can anybody here, I've got a, I got a candy cane from from a friend this morning. Can anybody tell me what Mel McGinnis is known for, though? Oh, who said that? Was that you, Tom? Oh, man, here you go. I didn't think anybody would get... He was an Olympic speedwalker, an alternate, actually. But, uh, yeah, Pastor Mel McGinnis, Olympic speedwalker. He walks really fast, I guess, and does that, that cool wiggle while you're doing it. But uh, it's dangerous sometimes to fly by the seat of your pants because you get things wrong uh, sometimes people are like, well, you feel like you're ignited by the Holy Spirit. I used to make this argument with my good buddy Steve, uh, who pastors in Panama. I'd say, he'd be like, Joe, you need to do preparation. I'm like, you're just not anointed. <laughs> that didn't go well. God is a God of order. There is uh, much anointing in the preparation. Uh, one of the things that we do as, as a preaching staff is we talk a little bit about um, the significance and the importance of preparation and doing the work on the front end of prayer and study, but also being so willing to allow God to, to blow that up on Sunday morning, right? My prayer for myself and my prayer for you would be that we would be like Nehemiah, who uh, at the very same time was talking to God, the scripture says, and to the king that we would be in constant communication with our Heavenly Father by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the very words of our mouths would be the words of God. I oftentimes find uh, cartoons somewhat comical. My dad was a Charles Schultz fan, and, um, you know, the, the Peanuts and that whole movement. But um, he, he had a, a saying, Charlie Brown had a saying that Christmas... Christmas was like this, this slow uphill climb, right, to the top of the mountain and this anticipation of what is to come. And I love that image of kind of anticipation, right? So we're anticipating Christmas. Is anybody else excited about Christmas? One, two people, yes, a few of you. The rest of you are living in the same world that I am, right? Most of us who are children or like children are excited about Christmas, the rest of us are like, oh my gosh, and we feel like we're not climbing the hill, but we're going down the hill. At the very best, we're going down the hill at a reasonable pace, but most of us are simply tumbling down the hill, falling, grabbing, trying not to die in the process of getting to Christmas. We're rushing to the finish line, or what we anticipate to be the finish line. And I want to just share for a couple of minutes from the prophet Isaiah, because the prophet Isaiah uh, clearly depicts a few things for us in anticipation of what is to come. This first Sunday of Advent, we look to uh, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And if I could just pause for a moment and invite you to, to something. I don't know what you put your hope in, 
But if your hope is rooted in, in things of earth, you will be disappointed. They will always fail. It is a timeless truth. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'd like to invite you into that reality today. The good news of God is that we are not alone, that God has not abandoned us, that God has not left us to fight for ourselves, that God is present with us right now, and that there will come a day when that which we see is made very clear, and the sickness and the disease and the wars and the rumors of wars and the things that we lifted to God as concerns will be wiped clean. And it says at the end of the story that there'll be no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain. But that only comes through the blood of the Lamb. Christmas is not simply about celebrating baby Jesus. It's about recognizing that baby Jesus created the pathway for Almighty God to descend upon earth, to restore his kingdom. The prophet Isaiah in the 64th chapter, you've already heard some of that this morning. The prophet Isaiah says this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, or that you would open the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right. You remember your ways, but when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? For all of us, dare I say, all of us, have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know when the last time you thought about your sinfulness was, but I pray that maybe it's right now. That you would allow God to reveal to you the reality that none of us are worthy of grace. Once we recognize the status of our situation, we're able to experience the glory of God. 
You know, I preached a sermon several Christmas Eves ago about Jesus. I preach most sermons about Jesus, actually. That's the central theme of the sermon. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. But uh, if you miss everything else, just know that when you get home and you're talking about this service and the sermon around the dinner table, when they ask, so what did Pastor Joe preach on? God, love, Jesus, and other stuff. The reality that, that so many of us want Jesus as our Savior. Save me, oh God, from this stuff, but we aren't willing to take him as Lord of our lives. Advent is this crazy journey of anticipation. When we look forward to what is to come and we, we cling to the reality of that. It's this opportunity to return to our first love. In anticipation of that reunion. It's an invitation to engage in that space where we experience again maybe that great gift of salvation. Or maybe for the first time. It's an invitation to allow the grace of God to transform our lives. To move us from a people of darkness to a people of glorious light. The church has a rich history of inviting people back into relationship. We also have a rich history of inviting people to experience Jesus. You know, Christmas is sometimes a sad time of year for people. I know that right now it's a difficult time. I, I don't really like to be in the dark. Is anybody, is anybody else afraid of the dark? I'm the only guy. Okay. The rest of you, I'm going to get some tips from you. The reality is that the days are seemingly shorter, aren't they? We've got about 10 hours of daylight. 10 hours. It's going to get a little bit shorter yet. That's going to stop, though, on December 21st. And we're going to start to move the other direction. Whew, praise God, right? The reality is that it's oftentimes how we feel in our lives, isn't it? That we spend a lot of time in the dark. C.S. Lewis in his work, The Chronicles of Narnia, depicts a couple of things that I think might help us to understand this a little bit better. When you read The Chronicles of Narnia, you recognize that it's always winter in Narnia. Isn't it? And the white witch rules over everything. I'm, I hope this isn't a spoiler. This movie's been out for a while. The book's been out for even longer. Okay? Uh, the white witch, she's not good. But she rules. And Narnia experiences this, this tundra, this frozen age where it's not real good. And there's a lot of stuff kind of going on. They never get to experience Christmas. That is, until one returns. They wait in hope-filled anticipation. Those that are the remnant in Narnia wait in hope-filled anticipation for the prophecy that was foretold to come true. Let me share with you that prophecy that came out of the Chronicles of Narnia. It says, wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, 
we shall have spring again. We long for the reality of winter to come to an end, don't we? This seemingly hopeless situation where we're always cold. We got home last night uh, pretty late and our furnace had quit working. Anybody else ever experienced that? I became a real baby real quick when it was cold. It was like 52 degrees. I'm like, we're going to die. In January, I'll I'll be out in shorts and a t-shirt when it's 50 degrees. But when we experience this this state of, of cold and just this bitterness, and we can get pretty depressed and discouraged. But there's something coming. There's someone coming, actually, who's going to restore everything to the way that it was intended to be. When we put our hope in things on earth and when we receive whatever that is, then we have lost hope in it, right? The scripture uses the analogy of our faith becoming sight. My prayer for you today is that you would allow Advent to not only become a season in your life, but to become a reality for you. That you would cling to the hope of the resurrection. That you would cling to the hope of the returning of the king because when he shakes his mane, everything changes. You know, we talk about this at times, but uh, God is on the move. C.S. Lewis depicts that really well. They use the phrase, Aslan is on the move. God is on the move. He's restoring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray that every single day. So what about you? And what about me? How do we receive this great hope? Because maybe like my situation at times, you feel a little bit hopeless. Maybe like the people of God, you feel a little bit hopeless. Your situation doesn't have to define your future. The people of God had a revealed solution to them in Jesus Christ. But here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. Listen very carefully. So often we long to get to this eternal place, right? Where we can experience the presence of God. That's not the promise. The promise is that God is with us right now. You think about that for a minute. In the moment, the future becomes the present. John Wesley on his deathbed was quoted as saying to those who were gathered around him, best of all friends, God is with us. We don't have to wait. You don't have to wait to experience the glory of God, the future promises. Jesus said, never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. And he breathed on them and they received the Holy Ghost. This Advent season, will you receive the Holy Ghost? And then will you take that gift so that others may find hope in the midst of hopelessness? Let's pray.
Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness in our lives when we aren't faithful. God, thank you for meeting us here right now today in this moment. God, for those where maybe we've been uh, wandering away from you, may we experience your grace again right now. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you free us from the tyranny of evil? Would you give us that hope again until we see you face to face? In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you.